This is e-commerce FM, the e-commerce SEO podcast with Rob Carey and Matt Young. So welcome along then. It is another episode of e-commerce FM. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Young, and this wonderful man is Rob Carey. Hello there. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Another busy week, I think, in the in the Kerry household and here in the Young household too. Now, today we're talking all things SEO, as always, in terms of e-commerce. But today, very specifically, we are talking about the perfect product page, which in terms of SEO is very, very important. It's vital, in fact. So top level then, Rob, kicking us off, what factors do you think make the perfect product page? Well, I'd probably break it down into a few different categories. I'd say that obviously great on-page SEO is very important, but, you know, I would say that. (laughs) Um, Good usability and conversion optimization, uh, having unique, helpful product descriptions and clear product imagery, uh, links to other relevant related products on the page, genuine customer reviews, both good and bad, and also handling out-of-stock or end-of-the-line products properly. Okay, so going back to one of those ones you picked up there, what would you say is great on-page SEO? Well, it's actually really simple, but so many e-commerce sites get it wrong. I think the biggest issue is actually the themes, the website themes that the e-commerce sites use. They're often created by designers that aren't SEOs or they have a little bit of SEO knowledge, but not very good SEO knowledge. And as they say, a little bit of information is a very dangerous thing. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons why e-commerce websites fail at on-page SEO. You know, you should only be using heading tags, for example, for actual content headings, whereas so many themes out there and so many web designers use the heading tags like H1, H2, H3, etc. They use it for sizing of the fonts or for styling of those fonts. And search engines use these heading tags to understand the content on the page. So if you're overusing them or using them for things which aren't content headings, the search engines just aren't going to understand what your page is about. Also, a lot of sites use multiple H1 heading tags on a page. They might use it for, say, their logo or um, a piece of information in the footer. It should only be used for the main product title. And that has to be unique and also keyword focused. There's a lot of e-commerce sites out there, especially in designer clothing space, where they have a very generic product title and they have that in the H1. They'll just have a random name for the product, like the the Venetian for a jumper, (laughs) when you actually want to be saying this is a 100% cotton, fair trade, organic jumper with a pattern of x on it or something a little bit more precise than that but you know you need to be describing what this product is and not just have random words in there you need to do the same for the title in fact your title would often just mirror what your h1 tag is what your product uh, title is and for the meta description you can actually use your ppc ad copy if you're running google adwords campaigns then you've probably got information about which advert converts the best for a specific product. And then you can use that ad copy, which converts the best for your meta description tag. And that will mean that you'll get a really high click-through rate from your organic search listing through to your product page. You also want to make sure that your canonical tags are all implemented correctly, especially on your PDPs, your product detail pages. They 
often get linked to using say query strings for campaign IDs, affiliate IDs, the size or the color variables. You know, these all change the URL, but it's the same product page. So you need to make sure that canonical tag is working correctly to say, this is the only true copy of this product page and all the others should just be linked back to this one page and the authority should get linked back to that page. It can cause like massive duplicate content issues otherwise. And uh, we talked about keyword cannibalization in a previous episode, and this can be a huge issue with product pages as well. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and listen to that keyword cannibalization episode. Yeah, we've got a nice uh, back catalogue building as we speak. Uh, how about usability and you know things like CRO then, Rob? Well, conversion rate optimization is a huge topic. I think we'll actually do a whole uh, future episode just on this topic because it's such an important one for e-commerce websites, but also there's so many different factors to look at. I don't think there's um, any point in driving traffic from SEO or any other uh, marketing channel into your website if it's just not converting well. You know, it's almost wasting your money. So you want to make sure that your conversion rate optimization is in a good place and that people are, when they land on the page, going through to buying and through to checkout so that you get that revenue coming through. And usability is actually a SEO ranking factor as well. So Google is putting a lot of focus into this right now about the page speed. And there's soon going to be a new update to Google's algorithm as well, all around core web vitals, which are basically uh, page speed metrics, uh, which look at data from Google Chrome users. So this is actually taking real users who visit their website and look at how long it takes for the page to load in different ways. So how long it takes for the HTML to get rendered, how long it takes for the images to load, even things like sort of the chat window on your website or the email pop-up that comes up asking people to sign up to your newsletter or the user testing apps such as Hotjar, these could all actually negatively affect your SEO rankings because of this new update happening. So you need to make sure that your web page is absolutely as fast as possible, the images are well optimized, that your CSS is all minified and small and not bloated and that your javascript you've only got the minimum required javascript on your pages there's a big factor to the human side of things as well isn't there how usable and and, and how human beings react on site and that that's always something that's difficult to judge but what do you class as a helpful product description then rob i think too many e-commerce stores especially the drop shippers they just import the manufacturer or the supplier's product data and description so there's no unique content there at all and it just won't rank unless you're in a super niche where you're the only person that actually sells those products online but that's very rare and they're not really written that well they're literally just summary information for the people that are buying the products from the supplier it's not meant for end users they're quite often short and quite often also boring from a user's point of view so definitely spend time and money on your product content it's a huge conversion and huge seo factor as well you want to both use your in-house team or if it's just one of you just yourself to brainstorm every single conceivable product use, every advantage of that product, every feature of it as well. For electronics, you know, list every single socket and input and cable and switch on that device. What's it used for? What's it compatible with? Does it have any other names? Maybe different manufacturers use a different term for that or different countries use a different term. 
and for say clothing you know what's the fabric what's the blend of that fabric if it is a blend you know sort of what percentage of each type of material which country was the fabric made in is it organic or fair trade or where's the item made you know is it ethical conditions and wages that you can boast about how the person can feel good about wearing this piece of clothing you know what's the pattern not only what describes the pattern but what are the origins of it you know does it have any history behind it what inspired it you know what occasions would you wear this item for is it smart casual can it be used for different things what other products that you sell could it be worn with and also even things like sort of washing and cleaning instructions because a lot of people they don't want to buy um, a product where they have to take it to the dry cleaners you know they want to be able to just put it in their standard wash and people will be searching for that even it seems quite silly but people are making these kind of searches on google um, it's a massive amount of detail isn't it so so what if people don't have time to read all of that stuff you've just asked everybody to put on to each description well i'd say uh, always have two product descriptions have a short one for the fast buyer someone that's already decided to buy that product they just want to double check what the product is and to make sure it's right for them you know this short description could actually be perfect for your meta description if you don't have that ppc data on you know, which adverts convert in best for you, which ad copies work in best for you. Why not use this short description, about 160 characters long, to be also your meta description as well? So this is the kind of one which you'd put at the top of your page next to the buy now button. And then further down the page, you can have a long description for people that are doing research, you know, or they're looking for something very specific in the product. There's going to be uh, people out there who won't buy your product unless you answer their question in the content. And so many people, especially these days, don't feel comfortable with phoning up someone or even emailing a company. You know, if they don't see the answer on the page, they just might not ever buy from you. You'll also rank for loads of long tail keywords if you have this big lengthy uh, product description. And there's loads of examples out there of e-commerce sites that have done done it quite well. One of them from the past was a website called wish.co.uk, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was an experience days website. And they got a person that was basically a comedian to do the uh, content writing. So it was actually a pleasure to read their product copy because it was so funny and it had so much information in there as well. So there's loads of great examples out there of what you could use for product descriptions. People these days do search for very specific product requirements. So, you know, they're not just searching for a T-shirt or a hat. They're looking for very specific things. And that's because internal search on e-commerce websites tends to be so bad. I mean, have you ever tried buying something from, say, TK Maxx or TJ Maxx, as it's called in the US? It's almost impossible to search using their system. If you type in a query or take a single word out of that query and list every single product related to it, it's almost impossible. So people are using Google to find the exact products before they actually click through to a site. So that's why it's also important to have these lengthy product descriptions to make sure that you've got the keywords that they're searching for. Because if you don't mention the keywords that they're searching for, you just won't turn up for that result and you won't get that sale. Perfect answer. I mean, so comprehensive. Um, Okay, talking from the text, how about the images then? Do good product images really help with the SEO? A surprising number of people these days actually use image search on Google when shopping online. Uh, Google now sends image search traffic to the product page as well, 
rather than in the past, they used to just send people directly to the actual image file, the image URL itself. So in the past, there wasn't really much advantage of having your images indexed by Google, whereas now it's a huge traffic win and a potential revenue driver as well. So just like product descriptions, you know, don't use the stock imagery that you get from your supplier or your manufacturer. Your competitors will be using exactly the same photos. You'll be seen as duplicate content and you just won't get any decent traffic from it. Traffic can be won by taking your own photos and also take as many as possible you know, close-ups from every angle of every single feature of that product. You know, the last TV that I bought was on a website that showed a close-up of all the input ports on the back because I was looking for a specific number of ports because I'm a bit geeky. (laughs) So by looking at this photo, I could see exactly what I was getting for my money, and that was important for me. So I ended up buying from that specific merchant, and I... They weren't the cheapest, they were one of the cheapest, but it wasn't the cheapest option out there, but it was the one that answered all of my questions. So the more images, the better, as people you know, can't touch the products, they can't view the product in person, because they want to feel like they do know everything about it before they actually buy it. You know, this can also reduce your returns um, of products as well, your return rate and the associated costs with that, because if people don't see something close up, they might not know that it's there and therefore they go, oh, that's not what I was looking for and they'll send it back. If you show all these different angles and close-ups of a product, the person really understands what they're buying before it arrives. And when you put these product images on the page, make sure that they each have a unique alt tag and a title attribute on them. So these need to describe what's in the photo. It can't just be the product name itself. Now, each photo should actually describe what's there. The alt attribute was actually created for blind users who are using screen readers. So as they can't see the image, the alt attribute would actually tell them what's in the image so they don't miss out. But search engines also use it for a similar reason. Although search engines are getting better at understanding what's in photos, they can't know exactly what's in there. So the alt attribute kind of tells them what that photo is about and helps you to rank for the keywords which are used within that alt attribute. For clothing, something which is rarely seen is different models being used for the same item of clothing because it can be quite expensive on these huge uh, clothing stores which have tens of thousands of products. But if you're a smaller store, consider getting different models of different sizes because, you know, a, a woman's top in a size extra small looks very different on a person to a top that's in size XXL. So you want to make sure that the person can envisage themselves wearing that item. And if the model that's wearing the clothing doesn't look like themselves, they might not be looking to buy that product. They might not think it will suit them. Also make sure you have photos of every single color variation because you can rank for things like that as well. You know, people are going to be searching for a red baseball cap or red pair of shoes and your product image will come up there if you have those photos of those color variations. That's so true, Rob, because the other day I was looking at some T-shirts to buy. They were based on several different websites, but the one I bought from was the website that showed me that T-shirt in red because that's the color I wanted from. So, uh, yeah, really, really good, important uh, information there. Now, you also mentioned linking to other products as well. How important is that then, Rob? So internal links can be as important for SEO as external links. 
So there's going to be naturally some products which are more popular than others. And those more popular products will have more links going into them, which will help that specific product to rank really well in Google, but it doesn't help any of the other products. It's also a great opportunity for your customers to find other related products as well, which they might be interested to. So a matching top or a compatible accessory with a device or the shoes by the same designer. You know, it's that increase the cart value that the person ends up checking out with. But it also means that the link value going into that product page also helps those other related products as well. So you don't want to link to every product, obviously, that you sell, just a few that the buyer might be interested in. And, you know, that's going to just have a SEO positive impact as well. How about handling product reviews then, Rob? So product reviews are really important for both conversions and SEO. There's a lot of people that won't buy a product unless they can see some independent customer reviews saying what they think of the product. You know, it's kind of a, a trust signal for many people, but it's also a trust signal for Google as well. Um, when searching for a product on Google, uh, the websites that have re product reviews, if they've been implemented correctly, will actually have star ratings next to them, and they really stand out in the search results. And it's been proven in many different case studies that those results will have a higher click-through rate. So even if you're not ranking number one, if you've got the star rating and the person above doesn't, then you could actually have a higher click-through rate than they do. So every customer should be asked when they buy a product to leave a review. And you could encourage that by offering them a big discount on a future purchase if they leave one. And also you want to make sure that you don't go down the road of creating fake reviews. You know, both customers and Google can spot them a mile off. People do expect to see a few negative reviews on there. You know, if you only have five star reviews, it looks a bit suspicious. Don't hide the negative reviews as in like sort of don't not show them. But make sure you list the higher ratings first of all, obviously, because a one star review is going to stop someone buying straight away. And also make sure that reviews are included in your product schema as well. Ah, Now, product schema. Uh, can you go a little bit deeper on that one for us, please, Rob? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's another vital part of any product page. So product schema or structured data gives search engines more information about your product. So it will tell them the price, the stock level, the SKU code, the color, the size, the description, etc. And in return for giving search engines this information, they'll help you by standing out more in the search results. So as I said before, if you give them review data, they'll show those review ratings as stars on the search result and you'll get a higher click-through rate because of that. The best way to implement this product schema is using something called JSONLD, spelled J-S-O-N-L-D. It's basically a piece of JavaScript that you can place in the HTML of your page and it gives all this information to search engines. If you want to find out more information, you can go to schema.org, that's S-C-H-E-M-A.org, and there's more information on there. But I think we could actually do a whole episode in the future on Schema alone. Yep, sounds like another episode all wrapped up in one there. Okay, what about when products go out of stock? What happens then? So this is another really important point for both SEO and usability. The number one rule is never take down the page and let it return a 404, like a page not found error. That's the worst thing you can do. You know, you're going to lose all of the content which you were ranking with before, and you'll also lose all of the SEO value. So if a product is out of stock, 
leave the page up completely and leave it exactly the same. The only thing you should change is removing the buy now button and replace that buy now button by a big tell me when it's back button, you know, sort of a call to action. And when someone clicks that button, you take that email address. And then when you've taken that, make sure that you do email them the instant that you get new stock for that product because you've basically got a guaranteed customer there just waiting you waiting for you to have that product back in stock. If you remove the product description, the price, the photos, or anything like that, if you do that, you can actually break the structured data that's on your website, which will hurt your SEO rankings as well. So that's why I'm saying just leave it exactly the same, only hide the buy now button and replace it with a way for someone to get a in-stock notification. If the product is discontinued, you've basically got two options there. You could either 301 redirect it to another URL, or you can leave the information up. With a 301 redirect, you're basically going to be sending the old product page URL to the parent product category. So if you had a red Nike coat, for example, you could redirect that into the coats category. For leaving the information up, you're basically going to benefit from all that content that you've spent so much time and money creating. You know, it's such a shame to lose that when you stop selling a product. So on that page, tell the people that it's out of stock and it might not come back. And then also list all the alternative products that, that person might be interested in buying. So even though you don't have that old product, you can still offer them a similar product which they might want to buy. I usually recommend going with the redirect method, but sometimes it's just such a shame to lose all that content. And also, if a product is discontinued, you might be ranking because of the content because that uh, product page might not have any links whatsoever. So if you 301 redirected it, you don't really get any value there. You know, there's no authority being redirected into the category page. Whereas if you left the page up, you'd still be ranking just because of the content that you wrote about that product. Great stuff. As always, Rob, I think I have exhausted your brain of all the product page information that uh, we went through today. If anybody wants to go and read this, there is a full transcription on our website, ecommerce.fm. And of course, the contact details of how to get in touch with myself and Rob are on there. If you want to ask any questions about any of the episodes we've done so far, or even suggest new episodes for us to do in the future. Of course, you've listened to the podcast. We would really appreciate it if you give us a ranking uh, wherever you've listened to this podcast go on and give us leave us a review please it's really really important so other people see that uh, and we can become uh, the trusted source uh, for e-commerce seo Uh, rob as always thank you very much indeed it's been another great episode and i'm already looking forward to speaking to you next week fantastic speak to you then this is e-commerce fm the e-commerce seo podcast with rob carey and matt young